Welcome to the Shepherd Psalm. Uh, we are looking line by line at Psalm 23, and we're using W. Philip Keller's book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, as our guide. He was a shepherd, and he gives a tremendous amount of backstory, background, and context to what David teaches us in this psalm. It's full of wonderful insights that help bring this psalm to life. So I highly encourage, if you do not have a copy of uh, Keller's book, grab a copy. Today we are in chapter 6. We're looking in depth at David's sentence, He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Let's read Psalm 23 and then we'll dig into it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Grab your Bibles and stick around. Let's dig into Psalm 23. Keller opened this chapter by talking about how sheep are creatures of habit. They go the same way down the same trail to the same pond or the same pasture. And because they do this, they tend to overgraze, they overdrink, and they trample pathways into the pasture. Now, some people think that sheep are pretty easy to manage, and just about anybody could do it. But Keller reminds us that's not the case. Yes, anybody can do it, but not everyone can do it so well that our sheep, that their sheep can thrive. When sheep are left with a bad shepherd, or an absent shepherd, and sheep have to tend, uh, fend for themselves, it can lead to their ruin. Parasites develop in well-worn well and comfortable areas. Good shepherds understand this, and they seek to do the most important thing in the life of the sheep, keep them on the move. The shepherd must have a plan to keep the sheep moving to stay healthy safe, and to keep the pasture in good condition. Uh, there are clearly spiritual principles here at work. David alluded that, to this when he asked God, the good shepherd, to lead and guide him on righteous paths. Now, a lot has been written over the past, let's just say, 30 years on the subject of leadership and quite a bit in the realm of Christian and pastoral leadership. There's a lot of wisdom out there on this topic, but there's a lot of non-spiritual influence that can come into pastoral leadership as well. And so our key is to follow the good shepherd, to let him be the guide, and to move when he says to move. At times, the shepherd wants to move when the sheep don't want to. Or vice versa, the shepherd wants the sheep to linger in a pasture and to stay in their safe place, uh, but they want to graze in more familiar territory and, and uh, where the shepherd knows there may be a predator lurking. 
we have to be sensitive to the leading of the good shepherd to follow specifically where he leads. It's so easy for us to go from being in a groove to being stuck in a rut. And we can have a routine that we're used to, sitting in the same seat at our favorite restaurant, ordering the same thing we get there every single time we go. We're drawn to what is familiar. It's comforting, and it becomes very comfortable. Taco Tuesday, every night with our family. Growing up, it seemed like every Sunday lunch was either uh, fried chicken or roast beef. Like, we might have eaten something else on a Sunday, but we we pretty much alternated between roast and fried chicken so often, I cannot remember a single other dish we ate on a Sunday. Our groove can quickly lead us to being stuck in a rut that we struggle to get out of. And that's because, as the Bible tells us uh, in Isaiah 53, 6, we can be stubborn sheep turning to our own way instead of waiting and listening to the direction of our shepherd. God told Moses to strike the rock to get water for Israel. Moses struck the rock and water gushed forth. But in another instance, God told Moses to speak to the rock. Out of anger, out of frustration, impatience, Moses struck the rock twice. It worked for him the first time. He was angry, and he went back to what was familiar, what had worked in the past. Maybe he doubted a little bit that just speaking to a rock would cause anything to happen, that would accomplish anything. Water did burst forth from the rock when he struck it, but it cost Moses dearly. He was not allowed to step foot into the promised land that he had waited 40 years to cross into. He was ready to cross into, but the people of that generation doubted God's ability to uh, give them the land, and Moses had to wait for 40 years because of their uh, disobedience and disbelief. Now he is in a moment where he disobeyed, and so he can only see the promised land from the mountaintop. He cannot walk into it, and then he died. When we slip into something that's familiar, when God has spoken for us to step out in faith, we do so at the peril of God's desires for our lives. Turning to our own way is easy and it's desirable for us. It costs us little because it's familiar and it's convenient, but it also produces very little for us as well. My granddad used to say, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten. So if you want different results, you've got to be willing to do different things. The path of least resistance is an easy path, but it's dangerous for the believer. God calls us to be people of faith. That means we have to believe God for great things, for impossible things. He wants to partner with us to carry out his impossible plan. With him, it is possible. But without faith, it is impossible to live a life pleasing to God. Keller wrote that many people don't want to come and follow Christ. They don't want to die to themselves. 
They don't want to step out in faith because of fear of the unknown. They don't want to be led in paths of righteousness because of what it will cost them. He wrote that we often prefer to go our own way, even though it leads us into troublesome situations. He wrote this, The stubborn, self-willed, proud, self-sufficient sheep that persists in pursuing its old paths and grazing on its old polluted ground will end up a bag of bones on ruined land. The world we live in is full of such folk. Broken homes, broken hearts, derelict lives, and twisted personalities remind us everywhere of men and women who have gone their own way. We have a sick society struggling to survive on beleaguered land. The greed and selfishness of mankind leave a legacy of ruin and remorse. The solution for this was given by Jesus in Mark chapter 8, verse 34. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The reality is that we'd rather follow first. And if his methods suit us, then we'll take up our cross and eventually deny ourselves. We don't want to follow. And in some cases, we don't want to lead either. We'd rather follow the path of least resistance. Now, sometimes we might think that we are being led of the Lord, but that can be hard to determine when we're doing something we want to do. I tell my kids that, you know, the devil will never tell you, hey, you should read your Bible more. You should pray more often. You should go share your faith with that person over there. He'll never tell you to do something that is going to build you up spiritually. Now, many times in life, decisions that we need to make are not so black and white. We don't know what to do. But I've learned that there are times when I really want something, and I have to be in tune with the Holy Spirit to know if God wants that for me as well. I want the big, shiny, fancy things but I feel a tug in my spirit to choose something lesser than that. That's often the spirit preventing me from purchasing a new idol. Keller gave seven attitudes for deepening our walk with Christ because Jesus calls us to live a life of self-denial. That does not come natural for us. It actually comes the opposite It is the opposite of what comes natural. We can only achieve that through the help of the Holy Spirit. Keller provided seven new attitudes that we need to have in order to deepen our walk with God. The first one, instead of loving myself most, I'm willing to love Christ best and others more than myself. When we do something for God and we do something for others, We're actually obeying the two greatest commandments in all of Scripture. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. When we delight in doing good things for God and for others, we find a new joy in life that selfless love and sacrifice can bring. Number two, instead of being one of the crowd, I'm willing to be singled out, set apart, 
from the gang. We are designed to belong in community, to live in community. This is why social media became so popular. People want to belong. Being powerfully used by God, though, requires alone time with him. We, we read the Bible, and we want to have those powerful spiritual experiences that others had with God, but we don't want to pay the price for it and deal with the social isolation that it may cause. Number three, instead of insisting on my rights, I'm willing to forego them in favor of others. This is what Jesus was talking about when he said we must deny ourselves. It's not easy. It's not natural. It's the exact opposite of what is easy and natural. It is difficult, and it is completely unnatural, but it is required for kingdom living. We often assert our rights and wants. When we deny ourselves, we can truly love our neighbors and be free from all selfish behavior. It's impossible to be selfish and selfless at the same time. Number four, instead of being the boss, I'm willing to be at the bottom of the heap. Being the boss isn't uh, bad at all, uh, but it's the selfish conduct that sometimes comes with being the boss that is bad. Get me a cup of coffee. Pick up my dry cleaning. Go walk my dog. Go, Hey, send my wife some flowers. These are all examples of what some CEOs tell their assistants to do. These aren't work-related responsibilities, yet they are expected tasks for some. If the Son of God did not come to be served, but to serve, and He is our model for behavior, then we should flip the script on asserting our own rights and serve others. Number five. Instead of finding fault with life and always asking why, I'm willing to accept every circumstance of life in an attitude of gratitude. In times of selfishness, we can feel entitled to certain things. We expect good things to happen. We expect courteous treatment from others. We expect to be appreciated for a job well done or just a job done. When we don't experience that, we can often wonder why. Why am I being criticized for doing my job? Why am I being criticized for even going above and beyond? As, my, as one former boss used to say, no good deed goes unpunished. Sometimes we go above and beyond and it bites us. Why am I being left out? Why am I being passed over? Why are you blaming me? We need to remember that while not pleasant, we should, be rejo- we should rejoice and be thankful in every circumstance, in all circumstances, even the bad and the negative and the the ones where we get criticized and the ones we get second-guessed and the ones where nobody appreciates what we do. Joseph could have complained in the prison, but that wouldn't have made a bit of a difference where he was. He was still in prison. Instead, he prepared himself for the eventuality of his release and for God to use that experience to humble him. Number six, instead of exercising and asserting my will, I'm willing to learn to cooperate with his wishes and comply with his will. Keller wrote that the early saints pointed out nine-tenths 
of becoming a true follower of Jesus Christ, a true disciple, lies in disciplining the will. When we let God's will prevail, we demonstrate our submission to the cross in our lives. We have died to ourselves and we die on a daily basis. Number seven, instead of choosing my own way, I'm willing to choose to follow in Christ's way, simply to do what he asks me to do. This is simple obedience to God's plan. We do what he says to do. We go where he says to go. We do it when he says to do it. We do it how he says to do it. His request is always an invitation to join him on the path that he's going. Why would you want to say no to that? Jesus gives you an invitation especially suited for you, your strengths, your giftings. He wants you to use those things for God's glory so you can be part of his kingdom work. But we often choose our own way of living and we miss out on so much of what God wants to do through us. God is on the move and he wants us to walk those paths of righteousness with him. This is not just for our benefit, but it's for the benefit of others who will reap the rewards of our obedience. Some may think God's demands are too great, that he expects too much from us. Yet he created us and he saved us from our sins. His seal of ownership is on our heart. How can we, how can we refuse his direction and requirements when it is only by his grace that we're saved? Keller concluded the chapter by quoting Philippians 2.13, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work, for his great pleasure. My dad used to say that when God wants to use you, uh, paraphrasing this verse, when God wants to use you, he'll give you the want to and the how to. He'll never expect you to do something you can't do, His will for your life will most likely look different from the way you thought your life would turn out, but he shows you his will for your life, and you have the opportunity to accept it or reject it. That's the want to. Then he ensures you have the ability and the gifting to do what he wants you to do. That's the how to. So it is God who works in you, both in the want to and the how to, for his good pleasure. Thanks for joining us as we continue to study Psalm 23. Next week, we'll cover chapter 7 in Keller's book, covering Even Though I Walk Through the Valley. We hope to see you then. God bless.